Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Crazy. Today, we are going to be talking to one of our co-workers, Trey Bowden, and he is going to be giving us a little insight into what he does and um, giving us some tips about how to enjoy where you're at and to just make the most of, uh, you know, your situations. And he gives us a little... Uh, you know, life advice on uh, on this whole creative journey. So, enjoy. Hey Trey, how's it going? I'm doing great, Rick. How are you? I am doing good. All right, guys. Yeah, we have Trey on this week. To give us a little background information on, you know, his experience with his uh, journey. His journey. So, Trey is my boss, and he is a creative director here at Mount Vernon. So, Trey, um, kind of introduce yourself. I just said that you're the creative director. But, um, yeah, give us a little, who are you? So, yeah, my name's Trey Bowden. I'm the creative director at Mount Vernon School. Um, it's a really... Well, it's an honor to be on your show. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's an honor to have you. But I've been here for seven years. Uh, this is going to be my eighth year start. Uh, and uh, I've, I've been in the creative world uh, really since uh, my freshman year in college um, and doing everything from video production to graphic design to product design to uh, web. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I started on a, on a little iBook and... Uh, now I have the crazy opportunity to lead a group of awesome creatives here at the school to, to build an emerging brand in the Atlanta private school market, which I think uh, is, has been just an amazing adventure um, that has been uh, pioneered in particular on the backs of many people before me who have put in tons of sweat and, and energy to uh, see uh, this school become the brand that it is. Yeah, wow. Okay, so I didn't know you've been here for eight years. That's a long time. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. But didn't, did you graduate from college with a history major? Yeah. Is that what happened? So, okay. Uh, yeah, we want to hear kind of like your journey to how you yeah, got. Yeah, because that's fascinating this. that, you know, you graduated with college with a history major, which you'll tell us, but that you got in, I don't know, I want to know how you got into, you know, being a creative and whatnot. Yeah, so uh, I, I grew up, uh, thinking that uh, my, my dad's an entrepreneur, and um, he, uh, my my great, I mean my grandfather started a family business back in uh, 1948 here in Atlanta um, that he bought right after World War II um, and trans transitioned into something called Speedometer Service Company, and and he uh, invented a machine that that basically took a, a record player and hacked a record player and how you would actually determine how fast a, a record uh, is supposed to spin um, and trans translate that to uh, wheels uh, or, or drums that your that your wheels would sit on uh, your cars would sit on that mm. would that as you roll those wheels uh, it would then use a fluorescent light and a checkerboard to tell you exactly how what what speed your car was actually going. Oh, cool! And, uh, so <laughs> learn your things. There was a there was a problem back then. It was just this idea of like here's the thing: how do you know how fast you're actually going? And you have these speedometers, and now people are traveling faster, right? Mm -hmm. So 
my grandfather saw a need in their market. He created and hacked this thing and, and started this business called Speedometer Service Company. And we started primarily looking at uh, police officers as, as our, our the, the primary person to make sure that the police officers at that time that didn't have radar and, la- uh, uh, and laser to check speed, they would actually pace your car. And, and then oh, they can wow. guarantee they were actually going that speed. So my grandfather hmm. merged in that market. That changed when the digital world came around, but my dad continued the business um, doing warranty repair work um, on, on stuff. And I, so I, I thought that I would be in that same vein of like business, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. that's what I wanted to do. So um, uh, that's, that's, or at least that's what I thought my, my back, my, my backup degree. I always mm-hmm. felt since I was like 14 that I was like called to ministry. So uh, I wanted to be like the most epic worship leader, youth pastor kind of person. I've, I've always had a musical bend. Um, but uh, so I went to went to college uh, my first year uh, it, with a business admin major declared. And I quickly found out that there is no reason why I would ever want to be behind a desk like that. It, it's, that was so like, true. Yeah, so no true. <laughs> um, so I thought, well, what's a good secondary backup degree just in case uh, I wanted to do something else? And, and it was teaching. Um, so uh, I uh, was dating a girl at the time, and she applied to Clemson. And I was like, well, you know, Clemson has a great FCA program that, that has a lot of, like, uh, that I'd love to, to lead worship, do, you know, the, the music there. So why don't, why don't I try and transfer in there? Um, and I got in. Uh, the, that girl's not my wife, but I did meet <laughs> the first night at Clemson. That um, first night? The very first night. Oh, yeah, screw that initial girl. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she had wanted nothing to do with me, um, and I pretty much stalked her for four months. Ah, true love, months. true love. Right. Um, but uh, that first day back, I mean, well, first day at Clemson, uh, I was setting up for an FCA event. And a guy came in. I had my white iBook, or I guess, it, yeah, it was an iBook back then. Um, I had this the white, white one. Yeah, the white one, right? So it was like... Everyone right wanted those. Was like huge and re-emerging, mm-hmm. particularly with, with like college students. Um, and I, and I had this iBook out and... This, this guy came up to me and was like, yo, man, you edit videos? And I was like, at the time, like, I was Sketchy. like, of course yo, I man. do. Yeah. It's like, here's the deal. It's like. You can figure it out. I, I Well, I had a, I, I had an iBook. Of course I edited videos. Yeah. That's what people in Macs do, right? <laughs> True. I've never edited a video in my life. <laughs> but this guy either. was like, cool. Well, I edit all the video for FCA. Um, we have some cameras. We have some. Um, we have some video, like uh, this, this video editing software. Would you like it for free? These cameras for free and stuff, and you can just, you know, you can do your. You can, cool. You can do the Who doesn't want free FCA. stuff? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Right. So give me some tech, and I'm all in. So uh, I went to Barnes and Noble that night. I bought two books on video editing and production in Final Cut Pro, and uh, spent all weekend thinking about how I would edit and learn how to edit video. Um, and I mean, that's dedication, that's, though. Right. <laughs> For real. And, and that's, when I, that's when I started enter, entering the world of creativity, because uh, I before then, I never, besides music, like I, I never really um, got into uh, understanding art. I have a lot of artists on my dad's side of my family um, uh, who are not just musicians, but also... Uh, creative in their own right, uh, whether it be my grandfather's an entrepreneur and seeing opportunities, or um, my uh, my aunt uh, was highly creative as well. My 
great-grandfather was a cartoonist for uh, the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, wow. um, That's so, cool. <laughs> I mean, and it's these things that I actually found out after becoming a creative because yeah. I always thought I was going to go into the entrepreneurial world. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I thought I was going to do. Um, but, uh, or I was going to be in ministry, right? And I never thought that that's what I would want to do. So, um, uh, from college, uh, I, I did go work for a church for five years as the, uh, uh, multiple roles, but started out in video production, uh, moving into a multi-site campus, um, uh, production director. So handling all the video and, and audio systems, um, and lighting design and, the creative experiences associated with that. Um, and then came to Mount Vernon uh, seven years ago and uh, started here as just a technology teacher, teaching uh-huh. all the technology classes. Um, one of them was photojournalism, which I had never shot a real like <laughs> camera in my oh. life. Um, well, that's not necessarily true. The way that I actually uh, got to know, in air quotes, my wife was... Uh, I knew that she was a photographer, so ah. I went and bought a camera on my dad's credit card. That is so wow! Funny. This and, was this and, is dedication. And, uh, where are uh, these men at now? Come on, right? Yeah, uh, Rick, where are they at? All the cowboys are gone. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, the the truth is, is I, I went I went and bought I went and bought this camera and that's, wow. and, that's so uh, cute. Basically, we just show up at waterfalls and I knew she was going to be at, and I still have the rolls of film. It was awful. It's out of focus, overexposed. That is awesome. Like that. This is um, crazy. But uh, she didn't think it was awesome at the time. She was like, who is this wackadoodle that, like... It's stalking me. He's stalking <laughs> me. And that's that's what that was. But, um, but yeah, my first my first class I taught you was photojournalism. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I Sorry. bought a book that my friend who's a wedding photographer said, oh, this is a great book. And I was like, awesome. It's now my textbook. <laughs> and I would read the day before, two days before, what I was going to teach them. And I would practice it on my own camera and then turn around and teach the students how to use a, a digital camera. So I had no idea what ISO was. I had no idea what Aperture was. Because all those things are different language inside mm-hmm. of the video mm-hmm. world. So oh, yeah. uh, I had to learn uh, all that from the ground up. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of my creative journey. Mm-hmm. I became a creative director here. Five years ago, I think, um, mainly just because I had a lot of event uh, production experience, and then um, started doing graphic design for the school. Um, yeah. And tell us about, because I mean, whenever I got this job, I was like, "This is so weird!" Like, I had no idea that schools like this, you know, had brand departments. Oh and yeah. All this thing. And you basically did you kind of start? the whole idea no, no no okay but like I, I mean like i said at the beginning like this has been a building of uh, on the backs of, of people that that really have invested a ton in this community so i was brought here through a friend um and uh and was actually surprised it was actually a previous teacher mm-hmm. of mine in high school um and uh, he he introduced me to another one of not my previous teachers but who was there at the time who also mm-hmm. worked here Allison Toller who was in charge of the communications uh department here okay the so they already had a whole um no so it was it was at that time it was it was really just uh Allison and uh at the time Molly Crane started really working towards mm-hmm. uh doing the uh the, the photography here at the school um and uh Allison really had a lot to do with building this this brand and and and, um, and emerging this brand in the market and and I just had the opportunity to come in and do um, do what I feel like I do around uh, elevating brands that, that are already emerging and uh, and then 
trying to rethink and, and take them through another process of reimagining them. So, uh, I, I, I mean, it's unique. I mm-hmm. think that uh, a, a school that pays attention to its brand the way that we do is is really, uh, it's it's really compelling and interesting. Uh, a lot of that has to do with leadership of uh, Brett Jacobson, our, our head of school, um, and uh, at the end of the day. Uh, I think I think it's one of the things that has really won a, a lot of ground for us in the Atlanta private school market has been this attention to detail with our brand um, uh, that uh, that that the people before me really were challenged and, and continue to and the brand itself actually continues to challenge us to rise to the occasion of how do we continue to be uh, the most competitive uh, brand uh, not only here in Atlanta but in you know mm-hmm. in, in the nation. Yeah, definitely. I want some advice on, because I feel like you are very good at, like, expressing how, like, this is kind of the reason I wanted you on the podcast, was, like, you're very good at, like, you know, you can make your journey. Like, you can create opportunities in order to succeed. Mm -hmm. So, like, how would you, if you were giving somebody advice, like, how would you tell them, like, to just go for it and, like, if you want to do something, just, like, make it happen. Yeah, I mean, so it's hard to give advice to people that are, like, probably in startup mode or, mm-hmm. or in these moments of, like, um, uh, they're, they, they're blazing their own trail. Mainly just because I haven't, I have yet to do that, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, I onboarded into something that was already emerging, already growing, and already had... Um, at least a little bit of the fire behind it. So I can talk to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is uh, So I think that there are a couple things that, that I think that, that can really empower uh, creatives to, to continue to um, think about their craft and to blaze their own trail in, mm-hmm. in moments where they might find um, their particular support. So uh, one way that I would do that is... Uh, uh, I was when I was in seminary. I, I had a professor that uh, my, my seminary degree is in transformational leadership, so it's actually a spiritual MBA is the best way to describe it. Okay. Um, but one of the questions that someone asked was like, if I'm if I'm a junior within a within an organization, if I'm somebody who isn't necessarily in um, the the decision making role, right? How do I impact and affect change? Um, and he said, that's a great question, and my greatest advice to you is B and Q. Um, B meaning bloom. So uh, there's moments where uh, I think that creatives have this opportunity to, to uh, begin to showcase who they are as a creative by actually blooming where they are. And one of the ways that you do that is you have good fertile soil, right? So, so you find yourself in the right teams and the right spots, right? Um, and also uh, showcasing your work to the influencers within your organization. Um, and uh, I've certainly had the opportunity to do that. Um, but sometimes creatives, I think, can put their blinders up and sit behind their compu- computers and find themselves as saying, well, I'm just a junior designer. I'm just here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whereas I think that there's something really powerful about putting your work in front of the, the most important influencers within your organization and getting feedback and advice. Um, and, and so, uh, if, if you can bloom where you are, that's important. The other component to blooming though, is that, 
the the growth process of grooming is is a very organic and raw type of experience. The truth is, is like if you're truly going to grow to, to bloom an organization, it takes time and it takes grit and resilience. Oh yeah, right. For sure. like, I mean, you got like my thing is is like if you want to be a creative that's not just like looking to just learn something and go, but learn but learn something and move towards a trajectory of a career. I think that there's something too around the resilience and a commitment to a length of time um, within uh, within a company um, or an organization is that m- millennials ha- are probably I was just have, about to say right? that They're millennials right? especially like you get somewhere and it's like okay you immediately want to go somewhere else almost oh yeah because, that's me <laughs> yeah and it's like we're not used to I mean I've thought about this like the most I've ever been committed to something basically was like college mm-hmm. like I went to four years of college and that's it so thinking about like being at places for longer than like a year just seems so long which is and a you have concept. to make the most out of it right like, like yeah. I think that that's a new concept mm-hmm. like people like our parents had some of them have single careers oh my mom yeah, has that been blows in the same, my mind my I can't imagine staying yeah, somewhere for like has been there years. since she grad- graduated college like yeah, she's that's still insane. right but at the same time like there's another danger and another insanity to it of saying, well, I'm just going to move whenever. Mm-hmm. One, how do you develop bridges of trust? Yeah. Right? Particularly with your design, right? Like the that you actually know an organization. Like mm-hmm. here's the thing. Organizational change, most people predict that it takes seven years to change and influence an organization. Like if you want to actually build influence in an organization, you better be in it for the long haul at some level, mm-hmm. right? Um, but at the same time, like... I, I, I agree also is like sometimes you need change and the change is mm-hmm. okay. The question is why are you changing? Um, yeah. But that, that can go down a total different oh, yeah. trail. But like so blooming is one. Mm-hmm. Nudging is another. So uh, nudging is, is around uh, those moments uh, in, in a meeting uh, or in a conversation where you feel like you can kind of like, uh, hey, uh, like, hey, come here, check this out. Like you're, you're, you're poking your elbow out and you're like, Hey, come with me and do this. Like, or, or, hey, why don't you get in there and like, or, or what, hey, hey, why didn't you think about this, right? Mm-hmm. Nudging is, is a really important part because sometimes our influencers and organizations that, that we might work under or, or we might be uh, led by, they may not actually have, uh, they might have their blinders up as well and may not notice the new eyes and perspective that young creatives might, might bring to the table, right? Mm-hmm. So, That's a good point. So I think that nudging is important um, without being passive aggressive because sometimes what we do is we nudge in, in a way that might be like, I'm trying to to prioritize my own agenda in order to, to nudge. No, mm-hmm. if nudging for the sake of the organization, it's, it's becoming and stepping into that hero from like the hero's journey. It's like you do things uh, for the sake of others or for the sakes of your organizations. If you can position yourself not necessarily as like um, a, a know-it-all, but rather somebody who genuinely is like, I have a great idea. I mean, nudge you in this direction. That's mm-hmm. expending influence. Mm-hmm. It's not being passive aggressive. Yeah, but and I think that comes with like just being a good leader as well, like knowing how to go about that. Right. And then the last one's question. So uh, at the school here, we have one of the, our norms is, is start with questions. We we talk about it all the time, um, and and I feel like they were pretty good at it um, and living into that. Uh, yet at the same time, I, I think that uh, if, if you if you understand how to to ask the correct questions um, and and to think about moments when to write, ask the right questions are though that is another way for creatives to to lean into because the thing about creatives that I think is true, particularly the really good ones, 
are we actually see things that are unseen, which is kind of like the beauty of the creative act that mm-hmm. I love. Oh, for sure. Like one of my favorite things is taking something from my imagination, going to going to like sketch, from sketch going into concept to mock-up, and then all of a sudden pass that off to um, uh, someone to produce that final result, or even just even getting in that, like even down to the point of like choosing a paper, and then all of a sudden this you print it out, and you're like, this is the thing that mm-hmm. started in my mind and that came out right. Creatives are people that see the tapestry that goes beyond the design that we're trying to, to work towards, and and I think that there's something really compelling about um, creatives being leaders of question askers. Um, because uh, oftentimes we're, we're readers. We, we, when, when someone gives us a brief, like we not only can t- we can't just take that brief for face value. We have to get in it and we have to read between the lines. We have to use the, you know, we have to look at the white space between what is between the, the reality of the final concept and then the, the, the beginning brief. So I think there's something to that around like trying to figure out the right questions and, and creatives being the leaders around that but the best way to question is actually to hold back your feedback as much as possible <laughs> right like True. uh and and choosing the right times for that um i think creatives because we're so excited and eager and we're producing things in the world that didn't exist that now exist is sometimes we get blinded by our um our creative action and our creative pursuit um and uh Sometimes we poke our nose in places maybe is not ready for for our input and maybe we are at not exactly ready for it either. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. vomiting creatives uh, can be a really big cluster within an organization. I mean, the truth is 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 that that uh, because we're always in process, our brains are mm-hmm. always in process. We're never in final mode. We're always in iteration, mm-hmm. right? And there's and, so many ideas. Like you could literally right. come up with millions of ideas about something particularly when creatives begin to gain influence in the organization Mm -hmm. your ideas no longer are kernels but they're big rocks that carry weight so when i speak of something one of my favorite shows ever is west wing and my one of my favorite moments is is i think it's the first or second episode where charlie who is the aide to the president gives the president a, a quick like hey i think maybe what if you said this inside of his uh speech and then the president goes on and addresses the nation with, with that part of the speech. And Charlie's like, oh, he just used my words, right? <laughs> well, the thing is, is that with creatives, as we begin, tr- you know, we, we, we get and gain that trust. Like, creative action is one of the greatest ways that you can change organization because you're actually producing new things in the mm-hmm. organization to reorient it as, it as it goes along the pursuit of transformation. Yeah. I really like the vomiting creatives. Should we have named our podcast that? I know, right? I've never heard of that. <laughs> I think that's kind of cool. But, I mean, it makes sense. No, yeah, There are so sure. many times where it's just like, oh, this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to, like, get them in line. And it's with creatives. I mean, you could have vomiting non-creatives, but we actually know, like, what is possible. So it really is, like that change like we could come up with all these ideas and we know that it's possible but then it's like okay this is too much yeah oh yeah i mean you could paralyze people Mm -hmm. right yeah for sure um i think one of my questions is and i'm sure you have a lot of experience just because you know you have eight years here um is how have you learned to kind of take not criticism but you know constructive feedback and like and not kind of let it hinder you because I find that's kind of the hardest part, at least starting out, is, you know, because you have this great idea and then someone comes and shuts it down. It's like, how do you kind of build build upon that? 
So, one, I still get defensive. <laughs> I, okay, so it never stops. Okay, good, so good. So I've, I've written in my journal in the past two weeks is don't get defensive is one of my goals. I right? love it. So, um, <laughs> That's awesome. Your, the ownership of your ideas is a very difficult thing to divorce your own oh, uh, yeah. bias and heart mm-hmm. from, right? Mm-hmm. Because as creatives, like, we love the things we create. Like, We're it's proud so of them. easy, yeah, yeah. right? We, um, we can fall in love for really easy, really quick, right? For sure. Um, yet at the same time, uh, there's so many times that I can point back to is that the the challenge of uh, the sandpaper was sometimes what I would call feedback mm-hmm. um, to my original design actually produced and yield a lot more fruit than my design could ever have done right For so sure. uh, one I've had to uh, think about this uh, is is that feedback is a gift mm-hmm. um, that as much as I can I want to try and always thank the person giving me feedback whether it be constructive or unconstructive that at the end of the day I would rather have someone communicate their feedback um, and then then withhold their feedback mm-hmm. um, because feedback is is something that uh, I, I can I can hold at a distance um, I think a lot of times the reason why we deal with feedback is actually because whenever we produce a design or we show a design we're actually like we're seeking validation from others right like if you produce something into the world you want to hope that someone else likes it Mm -hmm. for sure because if you don't like it then why are you even putting it out there right yeah but uh we're we're looking for validation right so uh when we have any sort of feedback that that is against our design i think oftentimes the the result is not be, it's 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 actually our own selfish pursuit to look for validation where um, you know which probably opens up a little bit of a heart issue in general as a creative like mm-hmm. what are you what are you holding up as as idols in your own life um, uh, in, and even in your design to say you know that that what I produce is the best thing because we all know what I produce is not the best thing mm-hmm. right even the greatest designers know that that's true. Um, and they will always, even the greatest designers will have feedback that is, um, that is constructive and deconstructive. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that that's the biggest thing is, is understanding that any feedback is a gift and in any feedback is also someone being vulnerable. Um, and, and the moment for, for our design to even reciprocate that vulnerability, um, and put it out on the table, um, and is, is, is a good thing. Yeah. I think with feedback too, it's, it's hard because I feel like half the time I'm thinking of, okay, like what does this person know about design? And so I'm like, maybe it could be terrible feedback, but then other times it's really good to have that outside perspective. And I mean, it could make your design so much better, but it is one of those things where it's like, I love this so much and I'm really proud of it and you want to change it. But then it could turn in later. You might be like, oh wow, this looks so much better now. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, there's principles of design that we know. Exactly, and that's where it normally, like, if I ever get irked by feedback, it's, like, little things like that that I'm like, well, I did this because, like, it's how it should be done. Right. (laughs) According to what we've learned Mm -hmm. on. Sure. Um, And I think that that is, so I I personally have struggled with just vulnerability Mm -hmm. and uh, not vulnerability, but but validation, and, yeah. and and like I was a people pleaser. That that was is where I default to. And one of the things that I've, I've learned 
one of my friends told me this old African proverb where this guy was walking around a beach and he looks down on the ground and he says, you know, there's a there's this beautiful like seashell. I want to grab it, so he picks it up. And then he's walking down on the beach again and, and there's another beautiful seashell and he picks that one up too. <laughs> and he and he starts walking down this beach and he just picks up all these seashells and he loves every bit of it, right? But he gets to the point that he gets to the end and he sees the most beautiful thing he has ever seen laying in the ground. And that is, you know, this, this, this beautiful conch shell that he wants to pick up, but he can't because his arms are full. And if he does, all of the things that are in his hands will, will, will fall broken to the floor. And the, the, the line, the proverb is, never pick him up, never put him down. And when it comes to validation and the things that we seek, like what does it look like to even the, the things that we love about our design, that we get praise for our design, mm-hmm. we get praise for the work we do. What does it look like to say, thank you, I'm going to just put this yeah. over here. And I'm never going to pick it up because if I pick up the good things, ultimately I'm going to have to put down that those good mm-hmm. things too because there's only mm-hmm. so much validation I can actually hold. And I think it's the same with our designs. Like how do I get to a point where a client is like, here's a deal. Uh, I want to do this. And I'm like, that is the most horrible idea. Because <laughs> I realize that at the end of the day, what my role is, is uh, to adhere to the brief, to bloom nudging question, even within those b- briefs, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I'm producing for someone else. And I get to, to lay down my own selfish pursuit of creativity and look at a human in the eye and say, here's the deal. This is what you want to do, and, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it the best I can, and I'm mm-hmm. going to give you the best advice I can. But ultimately, I want you're going to drive that product. And if I'm not happy with it in the end, I'm not happy with it in the end. But I hope you are, because if you are, it doesn't bother me, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, it's just a seashell on the beach that I can remember <laughs> what was originally to my artboard. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and you can also walk away happy. That's a good, that's good thinking. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I struggle just because when I'm designing something, you know, I feel like I like just instantly fall in love with it. And it's just hard for me to like kind of step back and be like, all right. I guess that which goes with your vulnerability thing. Like I think I struggle with that a lot. So I think mm-hmm. I would, that would have to be something I work on. And I think that's whenever it comes to like, it's a good thing to have like projects that are just entirely your own. Like, Whenever you're working with a client, you have to have, you know, that in the back of your mind. Like, this might not, my first design that I love, they might not like at all, and it might end up looking completely different. But rather than, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I just feel like designing something today. And I can make it exactly how I want. I don't have to get feedback from anybody. I don't have to get anybody else's input. And it's just mine. Like, having those, like, side, just for fun, like, give you life type projects. Yeah. A good mixture of that, I feel like, mm-hmm. would be good. Man, I could, like, go into a big <laughs> conversation about that. But, like, I, I'll just say this one thing. Like, I think even the things that we pursue personally mm-hmm. still have the possibility, and I would even say if, we're, if we don't think it's going to impact somebody and we're just designing mm-hmm. for ourselves, I think we're short-sighted. That's true. Right? Because design is, like, when I define what design is, is it's purpose, utility, and good. Mm-hmm. That if... if Everything that, that, that what design truly is, 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 the, pur- is, is the pursuit of purpose. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason for it to exist. Um, that like there's that. utility, there's function to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's something, there's, there is something that it does, but then this position of good, 
right? I even mm-hmm. think about like the little pieces of branding that I make, right? So I just finished a, a, a side job around making uh, buttons for a rock, paper, scissors competition. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really fun, right? And, and yes, it's a passion project of mine because I'm, I'm helping friends support do some great stuff. Uh, yeah, at the same time, even in the, even in the pursuit of that, I want it to be, I want it to have goodness mm-hmm. to it. I want people to be excited about it. I want them to see joy, right? Or mm-hmm. the, the, I've designed artwork for every one of my son's, um, uh, uh their rooms, um, oh, yeah. associated to their name, right? And so, uh, even that is a passion project because even in that, I may be saying that, oh, well, that's a passion project for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not necessarily for me because it's for my son, yeah. right? Um, even if it's a journal that we create, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a passion project for my ideas. Like, even in that, we can find that we're actually doing the designing for someone else and something. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because if we if we put empathy at the center of our design, if we mm-hmm. put people-centeredness, even if, even if it is at some level ourself, which I don't necessarily think that that type of altruism exists, mm-hmm. but at some level we're designing <laughs> for someone or something, um, then then positioning our ideas in this way is, is a really important way to do that. Yeah. Agreed. For sure. Would you like to talk a little bit about design thinking? I don't know if whoever's listening, if you know what design thinking is. I had no idea what it was whenever I came to Mount Vernon, and now I kind of do, but I feel like that would be something interesting that, um, that people would like to hear. Yeah, so design thinking um, is, is a buzzword in design circles over the past, I'd say, probably 10 to you know, 15 years, and, and certainly in, in the most recent future, it's, it's on Fast Company. You might see articles about it or Medium and whatever. Um, but I would advocate that design thinking has been around ever since there was another person in the world, mm-hmm. right? Um, when, I, when I talk to you about design thinking, I'm like, do you have a friend? Then you've done design thinking. Mm-hmm. Right? No, I have no friends. Uh, <laughs> if you have a cat, you have done design <gasps> Ricky thinking. Ricky has a cat. Right? No, I do design if thinking you, all the time. If you interact with something else that lives and breathes, and maybe even not believes it could be a plant. You have done design thinking. <laughs> I got plants. Because because what what design thinking is is it is truly about um, uh, the way we define it is, is people centered design. Mm-hmm. Um, it is designing for uh, another person. So when would you use it, or when wouldn't you use design thinking? So if you're trying to go um, launch, so if you're Elon Musk, right, and you're trying to send his Tesla Roadster to uh, Mars, right? Okay. That's cool. Great project. Love it. The pictures were amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't necessarily need, need design thinking at all because it's really just vectors and math and, um, and you know, building a rocket and sending it there. However, if you're going to send a group of people from here to Mars and they have to experience the nine-month travel to get there, and how do you actually keep them from like killing each other mm-hmm. um and more more than anything then is how do you keep their 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 psychological health not only healthy but even productive mm-hmm. right um that's when you need design thinking i can't solve that with one problem one, one solution i can't solve that with with math i can't solve that with these moments of like just going down a checklist in order to do it it's going to require me as a designer to actually interact with another human being um, and and understand their position and place. So empathy is at the core of what design thinking is, and um, and 
in that, I mean, this is what's taught me a lot about being a designer. If you're truly going to be a design thinker, you have to suspend your own ideas and your own judgment on uh, what you think the solution is because you're no longer designing for you. You're designing for someone else and their experiences and what they're going through. So uh, design thinking is just that. It's, mm-hmm. it's people-centered design. Um, and there's tons of models out there. Um, and uh, we have one certainly at the school called the MVIFI uh, Compass. Um, MVIFI. And sorry, I always say MVIFI and people are like, what's yeah. that? <laughs> MVIFI, Mount Vernon Institute for Innovation Compass. Um, we, we have that. that um, the D School in Stanford is another great one. Um, Henry Ford model is another good one. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these different models. But if you boil it down, what we've discovered in all of our research, I mean, our, our team has probably researched anywhere between 40 to 100 different models. I mean, wow. just, just a ton of models um, as we've gone through designing our own. Uh, if you boil it down to it's empathy, prototyping, and feedback. Those mm-hmm. three things. If you, if, you, if you put empathy at the center of what you're trying to do in design, you prototype it, and then you seek feedback, and then you iterate on it, and you move through that process over and over again, you are, in fact, doing design thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, agile thinking has is, is got uh, design thinking right in the middle of it. Uh, lean startup models have it in the middle of it. Like, all of these different things that I think are actually emerging, particularly in, in, in startup culture, um, has design thinking in the middle of it. And... Uh, it produces a really messy design path, yet at the same time, uh, I really think it, it, it serves customers and clients in mm-hmm. a way that's that's really valuable. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely helped me with my own designs, like thinking about that. I never really thought about, you know, like, why am I designing something? Or, like, what can I think about in order to help me? Like, designing with empathy. You think more about, like, you're the customer or the user that is actually receiving that design. Right. And it makes it real, like it makes it more, okay, I might design it differently if it's going here than I would if it's going, you know, to someone else. That's right. And, and design thinking is, is not just a, 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 a mindset. Mm-hmm. It's also a practice, right? Yeah. So, like, a lot of people actually get to this point, particularly early design thinkers, you're like, oh, I just need to think about good UX, Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> you literally need to take a prototype and hand it to one of your users and say, what are you going to do with this? Mm-hmm. And then watch them do it and be like, oh, okay. Because like one of the most simple like designed pieces out there is a door, right? Mm-hmm. There is a, a door, I mean, a, wooden, a wooden piece, mm-hmm. there are two hinges, and there is a handle. <laughs> Let's talk about like the smallest function of utility there is. Like it is small, but have you ever encountered a door that you didn't know how to open? We have one here at work. It's yeah. called a what's it it's called? It's called a Norman door. So yes, the, the you don't know which way to if things. you don't if you're pushing or pulling, right? Or right. like or just in general, like okay, which way do I do this in order to get it to open? Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's a it's a door that you you don't know how to work, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know the. Wait, what's the, the point of that? Of I'm confused. <laughs> well, it's like you don't realize. So, like, the one that I've always realized is it's like I'm either pushing or I'm pulling. But every time I do the opposite, and I'm like, oh, dang. Yeah, oh, because there's handles on each yeah, side that make right. it look, oh. Exactly. exactly. So it's just a design thing, like, oh, who thought about this one? They should have thought about it a different way. Oh, so or, you're you saying know, they didn't do took it out there thinking. into no, the world to see. Exactly. They, they, didn't, they didn't put their user at the center. <gasps> yes, because like, you're using calling them out to design that door. Exactly. You're using a door. 
Like, yeah. all you have to do is put the door up inside of a frame in an office and be like, and use see this how door people react. and see how it happens. Mm-hmm. But I can go online and find door after door after door that has this. It's a up and down little, like, it, it looks like it's a pull handle. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, and there's it, nothing. Has a, it has a handle. Oh, what? Two sides have an up and down vertical handle. Oh, yeah. Right? It happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. In fact, in our building right now, we have examples of this. Yes. yes but the yes, moment that you it. put mm-hmm. a, uh, a flat plate... On the other side of a push door, you know exactly what I'm inviting you to. Yes, yes, There's okay. A signal mm-hmm. there. He calls them signifiers, uh, signifiers yeah. that allow you to know what am I, how am I supposed to interact with. Mm-hmm. The you know what I also hate when they put on doors. This is very off topic. Whatever. <laughs> well, not really. Um, it's when they put the word push because then, like on a see-through door, because then I'm when I'm pushing from the other side where you're supposed to actually pull or whatever mm-hmm. or something. It, I can still read push a little bit, so then so I still do push. it, and yeah. I'm like, ah, right. that's wrong. Which is why the design of the door itself That's right. yeah. should be indicative. Yeah, yeah exactly I mean, in, in that doing. book, he actually talks about how, how uh, writing should be our last mode of defense for how to use it by mm-hmm. design. Because if you can't use it without writing on it, then it probably is Something's not wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. Something's very wrong. Right. Yeah. That's true. That's interesting. That's so funny. I never realized. I mean, I've used mm-hmm. that door multiple times, and I didn't even think about it. I guess I'm doing it right, Ricky. Yeah, you must be, because I do it I'm wrong genius. every time. <laughs> um, I think the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, what do you see your future creative journey looking like? I know that you like to do things on the side, and um, what talk a little bit about that, Jess. Or sure. like, you know, your so, your brand outside of, you know, your regular everyday job yeah so going back to resilience and long term like i commit to things for five years i always do i i, I think that's I think it's easier, such a great idea um to make that commitment to yourself and say i'm going to deal with this for five years because it's going to be ups and downs and i have to deal with it because the worst thing people who leave wounded wound people they're going to and I you like never that. want you, you never want to leave an organization wounded mm-hmm. um, because you will just end up wounding the next organization you go into. Um, so I find that that committing to something for five years typically is going to challenge a creative. It's going to challenge somebody to to deal with their stuff. So you know I'm I'm seven or eight years in. Mm-hmm. I love this place. Like I tell my wife all the time. Like I'm one of the very rare people that when people are like, uh, "Are you excited about going?" Or, or Mondays. I'm like, Mondays, yes. I mean, <laughs> granted, like, I'm a, I'm a super, like, good morning person, so, like, that I helps. say that early. <laughs> it does help. Right? Um, but uh, I, I love what I do. I'm, mm-hmm. I am blessed to have a job that I actually genuinely um, i am so thankful for, right? So This place is pretty great. It is. It's it amazing. is. I mean, it is. It is. I tell my friends I got a bougie job. There ain't no Oh, doubt. our friends are so <laughs> jealous of us. Oh, oh yeah. Right? We brag about um, all the time off, and they're like, what the heck? Right. But uh, as for my future, like, uh, well, one thing, I want to be a, a, a good father. So uh, whatever I need to do to, to do that mm-hmm. to my boys. Um, and I want to always support my family and what they do. My wife is way better than I am. Um, <laughs> she is, um, I, I definitely married up in that. Um, so, uh, but uh, from a creative angle, like I want to continue designing brands. I mm-hmm. love the process that I've done here is stewarding, um, what amazing people do and, and, and communicating that to the world. Um, uh, I, I, I'm gonna. Uh, I guess I will close my thoughts on mm-hmm. a biblical example. So uh, 
one of the my favorite just little like I love the nuances of of, of the Bible and uh, there's this moment where Jesus goes and he he talks in a place um, uh, to a group of people and it says well he got in the boat and went out into the into the, into the lake and like that's really strange right like if you don't think about it you're like so he's moving away from the people mm-hmm. but what what he's doing is, is he's using the lake as a natural amplifier so he went out into the lake because water carries sound and he can talk to more people in a much, much a more vast area because the actual sound can carry across that's the so water. interesting. Right? And that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. things you wouldn't think about, right? Um, and ever since I heard that, I was like, that is what my creative action does. I'm not Jesus in a boat. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> and nor am I the person listening on the thing. I'm the water. Like ultimately what I want to be is an amplifier for brands. Like I want to be, oh, I, love that. Um, I want to be, uh, the, 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 the roar of the lion, mm-hmm. right? Like I want to be, um, the, the actual voice, um, that, 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 that actually, I want to be the voice of the brand so that it can be all that it was created to be. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's what I believe my mission is, is to encourage others to become all who God created them to be. That's what I believe my personal mission is. And that's what I want my design to do is Mm -hmm. I want the design of whatever I do to be a reflection of the true identity in which it was created to be. That's Mm -hmm. what I hope to do. So if I do that here in Mount Vernon for the next 20 years, fantastic. Mm -hmm. I hope that I get, you know, a little bit more breathing room, which I'm uh, glad we're getting getting, getting <laughs> yes. a bigger office here. This place is, is you don't like living small. in a five by five room? Come on! No, it's actually a eight by twelve room for of us. But uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, this this place is has blessed me, and I, I would stay here as long as I can. Um, and uh, if if you know, Lord willing, that that I could go out and do my own thing, that that uh, that's interesting, and mm-hmm. uh, I would pursue that. Um, but Ultimately, it's it's not doing my own thing. It's doing my thing for others. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, that's that's what I hope. Uh, whatever I do, wherever I go, that my creative action would actually be um, a, a way of encouraging brands to become all all that they were created to be. Um, so um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's kind of what I, I hope really would be. I really like that reference you made. That was so. Yeah, I never thought of. You that nailed that right on the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much yes, for thank you. Us. It's been great. Yeah, I think I think people get a lot out of this, and I think yeah. part of what we want to do with Chasing Crazy is, you know, not everybody is wants to or is meant to go off and be an entrepreneur and start their own thing. Oh yeah. But the idea of like finding a job that you just absolutely love and making the most of it, yeah. and you know, impacting others in a good way in that way as well. So I think you're a great example mm-hmm. of that. And the fact that you just really have honed in on, like, what you're so good at and you're, what mm-hmm. you're so passionate about, like, I feel like people are constantly searching for that. So the yeah. fact that you know and you just absolutely love it and you're going at it every day mm-hmm. is really inspiring, honestly. And I think that's something, I mean, I've learned from working under you is that kind of mindset of, like, what can I do to make the most of, like, where I'm at right now? Mm-hmm. Because and part of that is you know me being a twenty three year old is I oh for sure I go through like phases of I absolutely love where I'm at and I'm gonna stay here forever and then I go through spurts of like, I gotta get oh, out I don't know like I've been here a while like technically I have that on my resume I could leave now but it's like why would I do that like I really do love where I'm at and I think that's just like you know I have those phases of yeah change yeah. and the, liking that change the fear that I have for for millennial creatives. And I'm a millennial. Look, I'm 34, right? I'm just on the other end of the millennial mm-hmm. spectrum as you guys. Right? Yeah. 
is uh, they they don't mature into their to their creative identity into mm-hmm. living life, and they, which I think a lot of people would regret and think yeah, I would definitely regret no doubt. that. And I think the only way that I've been able to do that is one I've embraced hard stuff mm-hmm. in life. I've embraced hard stuff in my design pursuit. I never ever ever thought I would ever be a teacher in a school. Mm-hmm. Never. I thought I was going to do music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got a history degree just because, like, it had a teaching degree attached to it, and I thought I could always get a job, which, by mm-hmm. the way, when I was actually searching for a teaching degree, it was during the recession, and I couldn't get a job. <laughs> right? Darn so, it. Um, it there goes that. Really that good of a backup. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, it's about uh, just with our own creative action where we have to just refine, 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 and we have to think about the things that are, that are at the deeper level. I think the challenge that I have to every creative is listen to what people have said that have made the most powerful leaders that are out there, the most influential leaders out there, is they know themselves because they spent time reflecting who they are and could be. Mm -hmm. If you don't sit and reflect on your own self or in your own design, you, you will never fully realize who you could be because all you're going to do is live on the shallow surface. So it's my nightmare. Oh gosh. (laughs) I love that. Well, Trey, thanks so much for coming on today. It was, it was great. Honestly, learned so much. Um, but yeah, I think we're just going to wrap it up here. Um, so remember, keep chasing crazy, crazy, (laughs) crazy, keep chasing crazy. There we go. Hey. (laughs)